Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. With Ramadan a few weeks away, many people are busy preparing. A number of us may be preparing our kitchens, our menus, our food. Uh, but today we want to step outside of that and talk about adapting to change. The first week of Ramadan is usually met with a lot of excitement. There are all the this enthusiasm, the goals that we want to set. There's a lot of happiness for, for a number of people about Ramadan. But as we move beyond that first week of Ramadan, that begins to change. And for some people, regret starts to set in. Um, and we tend to find that although we really changed and prepared so much ahead of Ramadan, it feels as though this month, ironically, is busier than the other months of the year. Today, we're looking at why planning is essential and how it can help us to adapt to changes. Our guest today is no stranger to the airwaves of Radio Islam and always a pleasure hearing from him. He brings fresh perspective and gives us plenty of food for thought. Our guest today is an author, a coach and a mental health advocate. Brother Zaid Ismail, assalamu alaikum and welcome to Radio Islam. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Jazakallah once again for having me on your show. Alhamdulillah, such a pleasure and we are very much so looking forward to learning about this. At the time that this program is, we will be um, literally weeks away from Ramadan. And um, yeah, we thought we'd have this topic so that listeners can get that necessary uh, information but that awareness that's so important because we can't make choices and changes for anyone else but our own selves and uh, since we do have that covered in terms of the food and spring cleaning and we have lots of programs talking about that uh, our producer thought that we would focus on the mindset and um, the attitude and get that game plan in order, inshallah. So, yeah, with Ramadan being just a short while away, take us to why it's so important um, to have some type of goals or systems um, that we could work on for this blessed month. I think the, the most important point of departure for me is always in recognizing that the only reason we put in this effort for Ramadan is because of the value that we connect with about Ramadan. And the reason why I'm saying this is an important point of departure is because more often than not, we lose sight of what is that value that we wanted to realize or experience. And we get lost in all the planning and all the rituals and all the traditions that go along with it. And this is especially true for Ramadan because um, our community is rich with tradition when it comes to Ramadan. Um, a lot of it is uh, based on the Sunnah and a lot of it is also based on uh, just cultural norms that are um, good for social cohesion. So from that perspective, it's easy to lose ourselves in the tradition and the ritual without connecting with the value of it. And I think that's something that we need to be better at, not just for Ramadan, mm. but in life generally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we're talking about how important it is for us to have some type of goals uh, and this preparation for the blessed month. Um, you know, 
What's your take on this about planning our time? There are those that would advocate for blocking off certain amounts of time. Um, how do you approach this when we say plan your time in Ramadan? Plan how much you're going to read or how often you're going to read or the programs you're going to attend or where you're going to volunteer. How do you recommend we work with time blocks in Ramadan? The, the one thing I try to do for myself as far as possible is to keep myself grounded in what's the practical reality that I'm dealing with because um, despite it being Ramadan, uh, the practical demands that I have on me, um, that doesn't stop because I'm not in control of um, every aspect of my day and my responsibilities. So I have to pace myself and find a healthy balance between um, what it is that I need to continue doing and what it is that I want to add to that for added benefit and value. And um, if anything, it's more uh, a system reboot of some sort um, when I go into Ramadan because the, the things that we willingly sacrifice during Ramadan, and, and the emphasis is on willingly, because if it's not willingly, then we're doing it um, out of fear. And fear is never a sustainable motive, uh, motivator for us. So the things that we sacrifice willingly in Ramadan, we need to connect with the fact that we do that because we believe that there is value in that for us, or there is more value in that than there is in the other things that we normally would do for ourselves during Ramadan. And if we approach it from that perspective, we become a lot more mindful about what it is that we're choosing to do with our time as opposed to what we feel compelled to do with our time because there's prescriptions and there's um, advices and there's uh, a lot of instructions on what it is that Ramadan is supposed to be like for us. But each person's connection with Allah and with Ramadan and with fasting is unique because it's relative to where you're at in life. It's not just fasting because fasting is prescribed. Is prescribed because there's benefit in it. And if we're going to focus on the fact that it's prescribed and we don't do it, we're going to be punished. We're losing sight of the benefit of it. And, and similarly for all the other benefits of Ramadan. Mm -hmm. So we need, to, we need to step back from this mindset of approaching things from a position of fear of what would be the consequences if we don't do something and rather focus on what is the benefit and the value that we're going to realize and connect with and implement in our lives that's going to benefit us and people around us. Um, what is that benefit that we want to enable from this rather than what is the fear of non-compliance? And that fear comes up so often, doesn't it, when it comes to, um, to faith, um, faith practice, because many people were taught their faith through fear. They were introduced to their creator through fear, through threat. Um, I know that's something we should be talking at much more depth about, but yeah, I mean, we, I know we're going to have listeners who are listening to you now and are thinking, okay, what do I do? I have spent 50, 60 years of my life growing up, having been taught by, by you know, individuals, teachers, family, uh, who did what they knew and with the resources they had to the best of their ability, but I was taught from a place of fear. What do you say to those individuals? What can they do differently now? I think the, the irony about being driven by fear is that there's always a good intent behind it because the good intention is that we want you to avoid punishment. So they're looking out for us, right? And that's why we were taught mm -hmm. with fear. 
But losing sight of the value makes it onerous to continue doing things out of fear. And also it takes away the sweetness of it, which denies us the beauty and the benefit and the blessing that Allah intended behind it. So when it comes to doing things um, rigorously because there's a fear of what would happen if we don't do it, there's a fear of losing the value of Ramadan and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. What we need to do is consider how it is that the things that we have been doing out of fear, um, step back and consider that if we take away our reason for doing it, the fear that was driven in our reason for doing it, if we take that away, we're still left with what good was created as a result of what we've done. And what we need to start doing now is shifting our mindset and our focus towards what is that good that we're creating by doing that every year so that we can really immerse ourselves in that experience and take the joy with it, take the sweetness, take the experience, take the bonding and everything else that goes along with doing those things. You start connecting with that value rather than believing that you have to. And when you connect with the value of it, you then, that's where the motivation comes from to want to make it sustainable because when you connect with the value of it, you then want to recreate that value for yourself and for the people around you as opposed to, I want to continue avoiding that fear because then the fear is only going to kick in every Ramadan. It's not going to kick in throughout the year. But the value that you can get from the practices of Ramadan, that value can be realized throughout the year. It's just in Ramadan, it has more barakah in it because that's the beauty and the essence of Ramadan. Yes. Mm, that's true. Thank you so much for that. I think that will give a lot of people um, some insight and some some help, support into moving forward. Uh, moving from that fear into another uh, emotion that comes up for people, and that is this discouragement or despondency that they've planned Ramadan a certain way, it doesn't go they want, the way they want it to. Maybe, uh, you know, life happens or that motivation, uh, which is, you know, can't be sustained if it's fueled by fear, for example, many other reasons. And then they think, oh, well, what's the point? Uh, just, you know, it's just I've wasted my time. Um, there's no way I can salvage this Ramadan. And they just, uh, you know, carry on with the months doing the prescription work. Uh, and, and that's it. How can we, um, you know, get back on track with our ibadah if we find that life happens, things haven't gone as we wanted to, but we shouldn't let that despair and despondency sink us down? Uh, that, that reminds me of two hadith that uh, resonates on this issue, right? The one is um, that when we struggle to read Quran, um, we get twice the reward for reading it as opposed to someone who is fluent at reading it. And that for me is uh, sets the, the precedent and the principle that says that if we have to fight that much harder to accomplish something good, the reward and the benefit and the blessing out of accomplishing that good is that much more for us because there's that much more struggle and that much more that we had to persevere through in order to be able to achieve it. The other hadith that it reminds me of is the one that reminds us that um, you shouldn't insult someone when they are committing a sin or when they are falling behind or or falling short of what they should be doing because that assists shaitan against them, right? And that is absolutely true for how we see ourselves, how we speak to ourselves. So when we start chastising ourselves about the fact that, uh, well, we messed up again or we missed it or we lost the uh, beauty of Ramadan or we lost the opportunity or something, 
all we're doing is we're making it easier for shaitan, for that same thinking that was established before Ramadan, we're making it easier for that to persist during Ramadan. And the opportunities that we have going forward, we're consistently dismissing it because of what we made a mistake in the past. Because remember, mm-hmm. if, we, if we didn't follow through on something even today, mm-hmm. that's still the past. Because it's done, mm-hmm. we can't undo it. And the moment we fixate on the past, we lose the present moment. And when we lose the present moment, you give up the benefit and the value that it can create for your future. And this is the kind of thinking that we need to bring to bear on how it is that we conduct ourselves during Ramadan so that hopefully during that time with less distractions, um, it's easier for us to embed that kind of mindset so that beyond Ramadan, we find it easier to keep ourselves grounded in that way. Because... Ramadan is, like I said, it's, it's like a system reboot. It's, it's an opportunity to sit, uh, step back and consider what exactly is the priorities for us. What is it that really demands our time versus what is it that we became distracted and assumed was important? And when we start recalibrating that and we focus on just increasing our efforts towards good in Ramadan, it's that effort towards increasing rather than achieving a specific ideal outcome that effort towards increasing is what is more important because it's the sustainable things, it's the consistent things that Allah loves more than the ad hoc, inconsistent things. Yes. That's so, that's so bad. I think, you know, this is something that we know of, but when it comes to our own struggles, we find it, you know, we often forget and re- realize going back to something as as, as so fundamental but also foundational as that um, that istiqama, that steadfastness is, is, is important with ikhlas, definitely. Um, you know, we're talking about Ramadan, we talk about change, we talk about the balance we need. Um, and ultimately, the Ramadan is helping us and it's meant, it's designed to help us go beyond those 29 or 30 days. What would you say are some of the things we can do to take our Ramadan goal or goals and then allow them to transform the way we function and the way we serve and the way we live the rest of the year? I think there's two general reactions that I've observed from people and myself whenever Ramadan comes around. And that is that you get people that become withdrawn and and quiet and and very introspective. And you get people that become angry and irritable and frustrated. Very seldom do you get people that are well balanced between the two. Those are more the exceptions than the other norms. (laughs) And I think on both sides, there's value in it. But more importantly, if we find ourselves growing irritable because of the hunger or because of whatever physical duress we're experiencing or what we had to sacrifice um, what, and that we would normally do outside of Ramadan, but we chose not to do it during Ramadan. When we find we've get, we're getting irritable and frustrated about that, we need to understand that um, the reason that happens is because within ourselves, we feel as if we're being denied as if there's something that is owed to us and um, we're not able to have it. And the reason why that is important is because that's what plays out in what we expect from those around us, especially in the home, about the preparations for Ramadan, the preparations for Iftar, the preparations for for Suhoor, and all of those things. And our irritability and our anger in how we respond to what is or isn't in place 
is a result of our sense of insignificance that we feel like we constantly have to demand and fight for. So if anything, the ones that go quiet and the ones that find themselves being irritable or angry, um, we should all use that as an opportunity to reflect. If you are able to be more introspective and more reserved and um, more measured in how you conduct yourself, then that means that you have just proven to yourself that you are capable of that. It's not Ramadan that made it that way for you. It's what you took from Ramadan that, uh, that connected you with your ability to be that way, which means that that is possible for you outside of Ramadan as well. And the point of introspection there is, what is it that you need to be aware of, that you're losing yourself to outside of Ramadan, that takes you out of that grounded introspective space? For the person that gets angry, they need to consider why it is that they believe that they're insignificant, that they have to fight for significance, that they have to fight for entitlement, for, what, for their rights or for their demanding what they believe they deserve because that is a reflection of how you feel about yourself. It's not a reflection of how anyone is treating you. And if anything, in Ramadan, these introspections become that much more natural for us to, uh, to work through because just the atmosphere, the, the, um, the state we get ourselves into, how we start our morning so earlier in the day, we get the benefit and the barakah of uh, being awake at uh, Tajju time, at, after Fajr time as well. And we also then um, see the direct contrast between what it is that is essential for us versus what it is that is an indulgence around us. And all of those, tend, uh, if we just allow ourselves to step back and observe rather than just react all the time, we'll be able to connect with what it is that we truly want for ourselves from what we observe versus what it is that we always feel we have to do because that's just the way it's done. Ah, yes, what we have to do because that's the way it's done. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. I think it'll resonate with a lot of listeners as it is with me as well. Jazakumullah um, for that. Let's talk now about how many of us will, will speak about this, particularly after Ramadan or even during Ramadan. And we say, fair enough, we've cleared up our schedules, we've made space, we've been very conscious about how we spend time, um, you know, whether our internet or TV uh, habits change in Ramadan or we we cut back on work hours or we, we drop off certain, uh, you know, non-essential commitments, things like that. But we look at Ramadan and we're, we're still parents, those of us that are parents, we're working and or studying, running our businesses, doing all of that. And we still find the time to read more Quran, to make more dhikr, to attend talks, to volunteer. What should this be telling us about our daily lives outside of Ramadan? What change needs to happen? What type of balance or recalibration are we looking at here? I think one of the points that this always raises is whether we're truly connecting with gratitude to our life or not. And the hmm. whole discussion about gratitude is always... <laughs> quite an interesting one because it's always focused on what we have around us and what it is that we can have access to and uh, our health and peace and, you know, the usual things that people tend to appreciate about life. But very seldom do we consider the gratitude that we should have for the ability that we have to create the good that we try to create for those around us. Even if it's just a matter of fulfilling their rights over us, 
our ability to be able to do that, the ability that Allah has given us to be able to fulfill that, not just the resources, mm. but our personal attributes that created the opportunity for us to be able to fulfill those rights. How do we connect with that? Do we connect with that as a burden or do we connect with that as a blessing? And it's mm-hmm. those sorts of things that if you connect with it more meaningfully during Ramadan when the distractions are less, it's a, a moment of realization that you can't unrealize the moment Ramadan is finished. And that's why Ramadan is very, for me, it's always very important to reach new points of realization in Ramadan rather than new goals of achievement. And the reason mm-hmm. I, I say this is because when we focused on, on like, defined goals, milestones, and benchmarks, then we distracted from the realizations that go along with achieving that or what it takes to actually put in the effort and make the sacrifice and juggle your priorities to be able to achieve those. And then you be, uh, become distracted by the fact that, okay, I achieved that. So, for example, I want to make a khatam of the Quran. So, yes, it's a good goal to have and you exert yourself towards it. But what is it that you're actually taking from the time that you're spending reading Quran in the uh, quiet uh, moments, in the quiet hours, um, when you're secluded or whatever it is? Connecting with the experience of it, with the value of it, is more important than reaching the goal of completing the khatam. Mm. Because it's that connection that you develop with the Quran with Allah during those times that will hold you steady outside of Ramadan. So when we, when we consider this ability that we have to be able to um, exert ourselves in this way, and we connect with the fact that that ability is there, whether it's Ramadan or not, that ability is there, and you connect with it in a very real way, then that realization is what I like to call, once you see something, you can't unsee it. So you mm-hmm. can't convince yourself after Ramadan that it's only possible in Ramadan, because it wasn't Ramadan specifically that made it possible. It was the value you emphasized about that act in Ramadan that made it possible. And if you were capable mm-hmm. of doing that in Ramadan, you're capable of doing it at any time. And that's how we take the, the lessons from Ramadan. If we connect it with the value of it and with the gratitude for our ability to be able to accomplish it, if we, t- if we connect with that, then it, we won't be dependent on it being Ramadan before we find reason to actually uh, um, put in the effort to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found it very interesting. Uh, you brought up at the outset the concept of gratitude. Yeah, because we do talk a lot about gratitude, but but in a very quantitative sense. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I think this just allows us to to see how we plan for Ramadan and how we choose to honor it from the lens of gratitude. And that can be such a game changer. Wow. Shukran for that. Mm. So talking about how uh, does this need for uh, bringing in this essential component of gratitude, what we do see in Ramadan and many of us do lament and talk about is, oh gosh, I waste so much of time at out of Ramadan. You know, uh, it's still the same 24 hours. I waste so much of time. And people often make these promises or resolutions not to go back to those um, uh, to those habits that don't serve them. Why do you think or do you think it's important for us to identify these time thieves or time wasters in our lives? And what do we then do when we recognize or identify them? 
I tend to take a slightly different approach to this because identifying the time wasters and time thieves generally has to come from a judgmental perspective. Even if it's well-intentioned, it's still judgmental because we're looking at something and we are criticizing ourselves for wasting that time. But there's value in everything, right? Um, even if it's to take some time off to relax and to um, get a breather or something, there's value in that because our bodies have rights over us and we also need that uh, emotional breather, so to speak, from time to time. For me, the more important thing is um, trying to reconnect with what it is that we want to achieve. What do we believe is important for us to leave as a legacy of who we are, of our time spent here in this world? And that legacy isn't necessarily wealth or an, uh, an empire or a business or whatever it is. It's what is the imprint you want to leave on the people around you when you're gone? And that imprint it talks to our character more than it talks to anything else. But our character is defined by what we think of ourselves versus what we hold as being important. And if we're not in tune with all of these things, then we get into a rabbit hole that leaves us feeling exhausted, needing more time to rest. Which means that we're not living very purposefully. So if you find that you go through a day, you're not doing anything wrong particularly, and you're just not feeling accomplished or fulfilled at the end of the day, it means that you're not really serving any major purpose. You're just going through the motions because you need to maintain some practical balance in life, fulfilling rights and responsibilities and things like that. And if you're looking for that sense of fulfillment, then you're looking for something different from what the time waste is. Then you're looking at whether you want to invest your time in building something or creating something versus invest your time in leisure and social um, activities. Because now you're making a choice between which one you place more value on. And if you're placing more value consistently on things that are pastimes and social interactions, then that means that you, you need that kind of validation and that kind of um, assurance to be included in those kinds of activities, which means that you're not connecting with gratitude with your ability to be able to create something of value which is why you need assurance, which is why you need social bonding and you need social um, inclusion. So I hope it doesn't sound too philosophical or too theoretical, but what I'm saying is that if your self-worth, and maybe we can summarize it in this way, if your self-worth is not where it needs to be, it's not in a healthy space, you're going to be defined by how others perceive you. And if you're going to be defined by how others perceive you, you're going to be drawn towards doing the things that's going to earn um, praise, that's going to earn recognition, acknowledgement, um, validation, and things like that. And that means that you consistently, throughout your life, you're driven by what you think people think of you. And when you're in that space, you're going to need more time to rest because it's exhausting. And you're going to feel run down and you're going to feel as if you just need to switch off when it comes to the evenings and you're going to feel as if it's a it's really difficult to wake up in the mornings and you're going to take longer to fall asleep at night and all of those things are going to be out of balance because you're just not connected with who you are and what it is that you want to leave as your imprint in this world and the moment you start getting closer to that you'll start connecting with yourself with gratitude by default and all that promises us that if you are grateful, I will certainly give you more. I will increase you. So mm. unless we approach ourselves with gratitude, we won't be able to accomplish more. 
because everything that we accomplish even won't have a sweetness or a joy or fulfillment to it. It will always feel as if, okay, we ticked another box, now what next? Mm-hmm. But if you approach it from a position of gratitude of who you are and what you're capable of uh, achieving and what you're capable of contributing and uplifting, and you approach it from that perspective, every small gain feels fulfilling and rewarding. Mm. And that makes it sustainable. That's where the sustainability of our actions come from because now we do what we do because we believe in the value of it, not because we need someone else to assure us that it's valuable. Mm. Right. And I think that will speak to many of us, no matter our age. But a lot of our youth are seeking that. Uh, the buzzword being that sustainability in in what they do. Many of our youth are coming back to practicing Islam and wanting to practice um, Islam as it is without um, bringing in cultural aspects that have nothing to do with true Islam. Um, What would your advice be to young adults? We understand you are... Uh, you are a parent to to youngsters as well. But mm-hmm. What advice would you have to young adults, um, teens, early twenties, uh, when it comes to the month of Ramadan? Um, yeah, but but, but there'll be something that they could benefit from in terms of Ramadan and character building, or um, working on that reboot. Mm. I think the biggest challenge for young adults these days is that they they don't truly appreciate the value of credibility. And the reason why this is important when it comes to Ramadan as well is that because they don't appreciate credibility, they only appreciate, well, this is a generalization, right? But in general, the, the, the focus is on popularity. And when I say popularity, I don't mean just um, people that are liked. It's like, what is the most pervasive kind of thinking that is going around right now? And let's subscribe to that because that must be it. Because they're so busy searching for guidance and direction and all of this that they, they don't understand how to determine what is credible and what isn't. So they base, they, they, a lot of the opinions about life is informed through what they see others presenting as being success or being effective or worth pursuing. And the reason why this is important when it comes to Ramadan is because for young people who are struggling to connect with Ramadan or who are struggling to just find purpose in their life or direction, they need to consider what it is that they place as credibility on the sources that encourage us or make us aware of the importance of a month like Ramadan. Because if you don't place importance on those sources, that means that you are undermining the credibility of those sources, which means that where you're taking your advice from is going to be even less credible, which means that you are bound to figure things out the hard way because the only way you're going to learn things then is by making mistakes, not by following sound Mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. So if anything, what I would suggest to young people and... Um, everyone in general, is that open yourself up to being able to truly immerse yourself in the experience of Ramadan rather than in the rituals and the practices of Ramadan. Look within and, and try and connect with whether or not you are finding more peace. And if you are finding more peace, even if it's inner peace, if it's just solitude, if it's um, calmness or composure, whatever it is, if you feel any improvement in your 
emotional, physical, mental state during Ramadan. Be curious about trying to understand why you experience that during mm. Ramadan. And your curiosity, mm. I believe sincerely that your curiosity will lead you towards the truth. Because now you're looking for sources of good. You experience the good, you experience the benefit, and now you want to understand how it is that this benefit has come into being for you. And when you're looking to see what that leads to, it can only lead to one place. It can only lead to Allah, nowhere else. Mm. Absolutely. And that's how that's, credibility that's so shifted. Mashallah, you mentioned, you know, asking and with, with that curiosity. And I think many of our youth hold back, uh, both about asking and even about curiosity, because again, so much of um, the way some of us may have been taught is through fear, and that fear couples with judgment. Yes. So that's very refreshing, I think, for the youth and also the young at heart uh, who, are, who are listening in as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, talking about the young adults, uh, so, you know, we'd, we'd like to, for you to share with our listeners uh, in terms of Ramadan and pre-Ramadan at the time this program is, it's still a few weeks before Ramadan, do you offer any coaching services um, for Muslims preparing for Ramadan and their goals or their systems? Um, yeah, how does your work complement uh, our listeners who are on this path of preparing for this um, I often tell my clients that there's only two objectives for me in any um, engagements, any discussions or sessions that I have with them. No matter what we're dealing with, regardless of what it is, what the nature of it is, how complicated it might seem, there's only two objectives that I have in there. The one is creating mindfulness about what's truly going on rather than what we've assumed to be going on so that we can separate the past and the assumptions of the future from what's happening in the present and we can deal with that so mindfulness taqwa consciousness is critical the second thing that makes that more meaningful is self-awareness and the reason why self-awareness is critical is because if you don't understand truly understand not through judgment or um, criticism or anything of that sort, but truly understand what is your contribution towards the outcomes of your life. There's nothing you can do to change it because you're going to be trying to solve the wrong problem. So if anything, if anyone is struggling to connect with any aspect of their life or even with wanting to uh, benefit the most from Ramadan, you need to um, get some insight and guidance on how, what it is that might be distracting you from the mindfulness that you need and why it is that your self-awareness might not be where, you, where it should be, leaving you to grapple with issues that you think is out of your control, that you think is a result of someone else's actions. Meanwhile, it's actually what you're enabling or what you're contributing. And the moment you start owning that space, that's where you start connecting with what's the true influence that you've got over your life. And that's where the gratitude starts coming from because now you start appreciating that, okay, you might have been doing something with good intention, but it was misdirected or misinformed and it resulted in a negative consequences and you were thinking that life is tough. Meanwhile, you were just creating problems for yourself without knowing it. So pulling all of that back, taking the focus away from everything that went wrong around you and that was done to you 
The only thing you can change in life is what you contribute. You can't change what someone else contributes. And the more in tune you are with that, the more you can make better, more informed choices that create benefit for you and for the people around you, rather than constantly being reckless and restless and doing things with good intention but bad methods, and then you achieve bad outcomes. Well, that's given us, as always, uh, hearing from you, plenty of food for thought and uh, a very different, very refreshing, balanced perspective, a very hopeful, uh, compassionate one to look forward to for this coming Ramadan. We wish you and your family a blessed Ramadan and uh, may Allah make everything easy and bless you all with good health and accept all your ibadah and your du'as. Ameen. Ameen. We too, inshallah. Listeners, you can be in touch with Brother Zaid. You can benefit from his services, his books, and a very interesting blog. It's all up at zaidismail.com, zaidismail.com, coach for life. Brother Zaid is an author as well. And on the website, the book, his books, uh, the blog, um, and you'd be able to directly from the website purchase your coaching sessions directly with him. If that's something you're ready to do before Ramadan, that is available for you. You can also view his YouTube page where you can um, you can listen to or watch other interviews that he's done on many interesting topics. Um, Facebook as well, it's Zaid Ismail author, and Instagram as well. Jazakumullah khair, Brother Zaid, for your time today with us. Uh, it has been... So beneficial, so fruitful. I've been um, uh, I've been scribbling down notes and lots for me mm-hmm. to think about and reflect on in my own journey, and I'm sure for our listeners as well. Jazakumullah khair for your time today, and Ramadan Mubarak to you. Jazakumullah um, for the opportunity as always, and inshallah this will be a most uplifting and uh, content uh, Ramadan for you and your family. Amin. Amin, amin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Brother Zaid Ismail, coach for life and author, zaidismail.com, where you can learn more about Brother Zaid's books, his services, his blog, and other ways to connect with him and for his services. Today on the program, we spoke to Brother Zaid Ismail about Ramadan and the mindset. He took us through uh, the importance of preparing for Ramadan, planning our time, uh, also how to overcome any of those mental setbacks of despondency or discouragement that we experience in Ramadan. This program will be up on podcast, radioislam.org.za and under the podcast section. The program should be updated onto the podcast within 24 hours. So do listen and do share it with others. Towards the end of the interview, Brother Zaid had some lovely advice, very practical advice for the youth, for young adults when it comes to Ramadan. So be sure to share that with them as well. That brings us to the end of this segment and this week's program. To join us next week, our theme as we get closer to Ramadan is preparing the heart and the mind for Ramadan. And join us next week as we continue this journey, inshallah. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.